1: Oh hi everyone, hi. It's me, your favourite problematic 19 year old teenage girl from Bradford, Lady Bushra. How are you? Anyway, listen, yeah, the reason why I have decided to interrupt this awful podcast is to tell you a little bit about my fantabulous show coming to Manchester on Wednesday the 4th of October. What is it called, you ask? Well, it's called Sorry About It. That's right, sorry about it. You see, I'm known for my comedy. I'm known for my sexual prowess, but that's something else. But listen, yeah, make sure you come and see me perform in Manchester on Wednesday the 4th of October at Frog and Book Comedy Club. Am I pronouncing it English? Isn't my first language Frog and Bucket Comedy Club It's going to be so great Seeing this ethnic minority Do their thing On the stage Grab your tickets On frogandbuket.com Bye Hi this is Amir And this is also Amir And you are listening To the You Don't Love Me podcast Life from the perspective Of a gay South Asian married couple Enjoy Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the You Don't Love Me Boys podcast. My name is Amir. I am one half of this podcast
2: alongside my gorgeous husband. Who is also Amir, the other half of this podcast. However, I don't feature much in this one. You don't feature much in this one, because it no. was my stomach bug era. You threw a tantrum and said <laughs>
1: that you can't be bothered Go. participating.
2: No, I was really ill. You were having your stomach stapled. And um lipo. We agreed <laughs> body up. sculpting. Fuck off. Explain uh, am am those natural and real. <laughs> thank you very much Auntie <sighs> Steva darling. Oh, grrr. Anywho. Do you remember that time somebody questioned as to whether we were married or not? Girl, let's not get into that. That was fun. This is a lot of fakery then. There
1: is a lot of fakery. Honey.
2: Um, yeah, like I wasn't, um, I'm, 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 you know, it's a, it's a shame I wasn't part of the interview or didn't get to be part of it. Mm-hmm. However, the blessing that we have is there's two of us that do yes. this podcast. So if one falls off, the other one can pick up.
1: Yes, absolutely. This podcast episode is very much geared around mental health and well-being, particularly from uh, a queer personal color perspective in terms of how our mental health can be affected by our intersectionalities and and due to the um, individual
2: experiences that we may have. Does that make sense, babe? No that do, that does make sense. that makes a lot of sense. And um, what what are the names of the services that you spoke to and the person you spoke to and how did we meet them? I met Dr. Eric
1: James Escareño at RuPaul's Dracon. LA LA, yes, they were um, on their Booth stall Yes, their booth, yeah, they had their booth uh, that was all to do with Wombat Health Services. And, you know, I believe in energies and I believe in that type of stuff, I suppose. And something just made me gravitate towards them. And I just started talking to them and I said, you know, I thought what they did was great in I terms was. of the services they provided and, and how important it was. So I always said, you know, I'd love to do something with them or at least, you know, maybe have an interview and, and get more people talking about mental health uh, as well as the great work that they do at Wombat Health Services. So that's how we met. And, uh, you know, it was a really, really great conversation that we uh, that that we had um they were very complimentary of my drag might I say so you know that made me an instant hit with them. But no, but um, it was really, <laughs> it was really really great understanding their intersectionality. Um, you know, they identify as a two-spirited indigenous person. So, you know, I've never spoken to somebody who's two-spirited. So that was quite exciting. Uh, and they um, specialize in the likes of behavioral health. They have, you know, a lot of experience uh, as far as mental health co- is concerned. So I just thought it'd be really interesting to speak to a person like that because, um I feel approaching mental health services can be a little bit of a burden for people, particularly um, queer people. We feel like we need to be perfect and we need to hold everything in and everything will be fine. and the reality is that that never works. you know uh, you've got to unpack the stuff and you have to have an awareness and realize what's happening, why it's happening and and heal from it, I suppose essentially. so it was really it was a really good call, uh,
2: conversation. Fab, and we're going to take a little listen to this conversation, which I'm very excited about. Yes, let me know uh, at the end. Let me know how I did. I missed you, but Aww.
1: I did enjoy making it all about me. I'm not. Of oh, course. <laughs> when do you not love making it about you? Okay, we're going to take a little break, <laughs> and we will be. Uh, when we come back, uh, we will get right into the interview. Here is our very special guest. We met them at RuPaul's DragCon LA earlier on in the year. And they were my, one of my absolute favorites because they agreed to make stupid um, internet content with me, which I'm always up for a laugh. So I love I love it when uh, somebody is up for a laugh. Please join me in welcoming the wonderful, gorgeous Eric. Hi, Eric.
0: Hi there. My name oh, is Dr. Eric
1: Or should I say Dr. Eric James You're going to have to help me with your surname Escareño, is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right, Escareño Oh,
1: where is Escareño from?
0: Well, uh, Escareño is all from all over the place actually Uh, There's a whole bunch of folks that were in uh, Mexico Which was Arizona back in the day Mm -hmm. And they started to play around with uh, Esca kind of names So Escareño, Tescareño and it was because they wanted to mine in some of the caves in Arizona.
1: Wow, that's incredible. Out. That's incredible. Okay, well, for um all of our listeners who may not know who you are, how would you like to introduce yourself? Please tell us who you are, your pronouns and the amazing work that you do.
0: Sure. Um my name is Dr. Eric James Escareño. I go by uh Sir Wombat in the leather community and um and definitely uh, my pronouns are she, he, he, and they. I mostly identify as two-spirit, and uh, um, that's what's an indigenous term. My tribe is from uh, the Yavapai Apache, and uh, stories of being connected with the Crow Nations up uh, in Montana. Um, Yeah, that's a little bit about me. I'm a doctor of social work, and Mostly mental health here in LA. That's
1: incredible. But you forgot to mention one thing that you're absolutely gorgeous, aren't you? Absolutely
0: 100 percent I actually didn't do a visual, I didn't do a visual description of myself, um, which will aid and for folks who are blind. I'm very (laughs) I'm hard of hearing myself, so I'm reading closed captions. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm wearing a low-cut uh yellow dress with a turquoise necklace brown uh olive skin with lots of tattoos and my hair up my curly hair is just reaching for the stars
1: yes and looking sickening now <laughs> looking wonderful well thank you so so much for joining us honestly it really means a lot for you to take your uh you know uh, some time out from your uh, precious schedule to come and talk to us so we really appreciate that um Okay, I really want to talk about Wombat Services Now when we were at RuPaul's Drag Con, I remember briefly talking about it And I don't, I, you know, I'm somebody who's spiritual And I believe in energies And for some reason I felt compelled to talk to you guys And if, I don't know if you know this about me or not But I hate people in general I don't really talk to a lot of people <laughs> So when I saw you, I was like, something was compelling me to talk to yourselves. And I heard about Wombat services, mental health services, and I just thought the work that you folk do, um, it sounds incredible. So please tell us a little bit about uh, Wombat.
0: Well, uh, Wombat uh, Mental Health Services, uh, uh, LCSWPC is just a professional grouping of mental health providers uh, specialized here in all of California. We also service uh, Washington. We'll be coming soon to Arizona, Missouri, but we provide mental health care for LGBTQI A 2S, um, as well as uh, queer folks, deaf folks, uh, folks with disabilities, uh, All of the interventions that we utilize are culturally bound um and practice within our own communities so I heavily focus on as an Indigenous person you know I'm the CEO and founder of this organization mm-hmm. and uh you know we our whole mission is to make sure that mental health services in general are accessible and that it's for us and from us.
1: Amazing and so what made you start Wombat Services? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you saw some sort of gap in the proverbial market i suppose and you met, you mentioned access is that something that drove you to start one Warm back
0: yeah actually so i got my msw in 2017 so some years back and i went into the mental health field um i myself have as a youth needed mental health services i was a homeless youth i uh i struggled i was into the you know uh in the system Uh, being judicially impacted, and then having to become an MSW to also assist in our own communities. A lot of people get this kind of degree and they're not from our communities. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so they don't understand some of the issues that we just face, even seeking help. So when I went into the uh, mental health field, yes, to answer your question, I saw lots of gaps. (laughs) And I practice at at a macro level, which is usually like Uh, policies and trying to change at a massive scale and uh, helping people individually. I'm great. I love talking with people. Maybe this is where we differ. I love people. I love talking to people and I love creating community. So, um, you know, I, I, it was heartbreaking to see uh, my community suffer as they were just trying to simply access mental health services. Mm -hmm. And so that was the inspiration of starting uh, Wombat Mental Health Services. You know, we serve the underserved. So making sure that, you know, folks who are seeking uh, gender affirming care that they can come to some place safe, that's their own, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we try to make everything as extremely accessible, not only for folks with disabilities, or just people who are, you know, queer or marginalized within our system that haven't been able to access services, mm-hmm. get these services as they need it.
1: Amazing. Amazing. When I say I don't like people, I'm only joking. I do I know people. that you're joking. <laughs> I love it. I
0: was just joking. I love we people, have to love but... people. people yeah, great. you do. Do
1: You know what? I'm 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 I'm. I'm... Finally, beginning to admit that, you know, we're social beings and we love to talk and see and meet and touch. And it's so important, you know, that in itself can be therapeutic. It's so, so important. Isolation so, yeah. is
0: probably one of the biggest. Like, seriously, isolation, you can be in a room full of people and still feel isolated, not mm. having the community of support. And that is Basically, why our communities is like the way it is, yeah, uh, because we are isolated sometimes and we don't get the access. This is why it's important to have access, and it, it leads to a large higher number of death. People don't have the access, so suicide is a better option, you mm. know. So uh, it's really important. So yes, be friendly, be kind. You know, <laughs> we all have bad days sometimes, but for, sure. for the most part, yeah, loving people is there's
1: nothing wrong with that. For sure, for sure. You mentioned MS. W. I don't know if we have that term here what is msw um, it sounds so fancy. is it mental? it is what fancy does it, what does it stand for men i don't know i don't want to guess it's
0: a master of social work so oh, okay. uh here so we have clinical social workers mm-hmm. and social work in a nutshell is basically uh uh <laughs> started off with colonization colonizers creating you know solutions for their problems and uh, now we have something that's a little bit more uh, driven by ethics uh-huh. and um, so social work in, as a broad is about social justice, making sure that we are closing gaps within uh, inequitable uh, systems within our mm-hmm. society. Um, and that can boil down all the way into mental health. So people specialize in different fields of social work. Um, mm-hmm. I happen to you know uh, focus on mental health side of things. And I received a DSW, which is a doctorate. So that's what makes me a doctor of uh, social work.
1: That's what makes you a doctor. Wow. Well, okay. This brings me on to my next question, right? Because, and, and you've alluded to it earlier on, but you always have people that see mental health as not a priority. And I always say that it, you know, poor mental health is like any other ailment that you might have you know be it a bro you know see it as a broken leg you know it's it's your mind I I don't have a qualification in this in case you are wondering but you know it's is all your, good. you know as somebody who's been through therapy themselves you know it's your mind uh, it's it's sort of helping to treat your mind and 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 get better on a mental level but I tend to find especially within the queer community there's a lot of people who say that they gave therapy a shot and by that, they mean they had a couple of sessions and they say that it doesn't work for them. Yep. So why is mental health and well-being important? And what would you say to those people who don't seem to believe in its power?
0: Well, it's a very complex question, how you okay. ask this. I'm but a very
1: complex person, Dr. Of course. Tell you. Don't worry. Don't worry.
0: I'm a professional. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: She's an MSW. No less. <laughs>
0: And a DSW, I have. <laughs> I'll be getting it. So that's not my qualifications. What I will say though is that marginalized communities all mm. over the place. As I have a lot of intersectioned uh, identities, being queer, being two spirit, being indigenous, being of color. Right? And all of those uh, types of my communities, at least that I come from, didn't really believe in in medicine, didn't really believe in mental health. So it's a two-part mm-hmm. question that you just asked right now, right? Like there's people who don't believe that mental health, that goes for our professionals, doctors, mm-hmm. there is our systems were set up in a way that says mental health is not important. So the public became aware that it's not as important. And then when it was, they did a lot of testing, they did a lot of uh, betrayal. Uh, to mm-hmm. our communities that made mental health, they would hold them into asylums. They would hold them into uh, forced uh, separation. You know, they would mm-hmm. institutionalize our communities. And, you know, so we have a lot of distrust for mental health, seeing like we don't really need the help. Mm-hmm. We do need the help, and but we don't need their medicine. So I offer reindigenizing indigenizing uh, mental health services, Uh, That's a theoretical framework that I'm currently working on right now as a guide uh, to make sure that our community understands that we are getting what we need Mm -hmm. Um, as far as like, it's our own medicine. It's our form of healing. Mm -hmm. There is nothing more like a sigh of relief (sighs) Mm -hmm. that you can walk into a therapy session and you could talk about an orgy or you can talk about being over sexual or you could talk about being gay bashed. You can talk about sensitive subjects, coming out, um, understanding your gender.
2: There's no judgment. Explain
0: yeah. without having yeah. to explain or even teach yeah. your therapist. Mm. It's a place to be vulnerable. You know, so um, I often talk about reindigenizing in a way that you know, Indigenous folks. We get the isms all over the place, and it seeps through our mental health system. Our mental health mm. system. That divide and conquer is really in a colonizer perspective, mm. and so we we still utilize some of those things in our mental health practice. I, we don't here at, at Wombat, mm. um, but it's a way for us to kind of go. Ah, we're just we're kikiing right now, yeah. And we're under and we're understanding each other, and we don't yeah. have to feel ashamed. You know, it, it's it's a totally different experience. It's so crazy. when someone yeah. says when someone yeah. has three when someone has three of those, that's it. No, that's, that's basically saying they didn't identify with this person. They had to teach them and they were frustrated to leave. Mm. So I would say to those who are distrustful, no, please. No, there is a community of therapists that are POC that understand that come from our communities that will get you. So give Mm. those folks a try.
1: Yeah. It sounds like Wombat um, is successful in creating a safe space for um people specifically uh people POCs in allowing them to be vulnerable, which is part of mental well-being. Is it's is you know creating that yeah, creating that judgment. Hey, look, I could be, I could, I could maybe I could be an MSW now. I'm getting this. Yeah, you're <laughs> understanding. It's the, that's, it. But
0: that's yeah. the thing. It's the fundamental part of being human.
1: Mm, yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know, you mentioned um uh, earlier on in terms of poor mental well-being can feel quite isolating, especially when it comes to um, LGBTQIA plus individuals and, On top of that, you know, it it can be compounded by uh, being a person of color. So it can feel super isolating. I myself as a person of color, I have definitely experienced that living in the Western world. And, you know, no judgment on anybody else, but that's just the way it was. And that's just the way things were. From your experience, how does mental health specifically affect um, LGBT plus uh, individuals of uh, uh, POC backgrounds? Uh, well, I mean, it's
0: almost every single part of our being that we just happen to have higher rates of suicide, we have higher rates of depression, and it's not that we're not fabulous. It's just like the constant microaggressions that happen every single day, uh, that are overwhelming folks. They, it raises people's cortisol. It, you know, does damage to our internal organs. People just think it's like the mind thing, Right. The mind thing stresses out our entire body. And so, when we're not treating our mind well, then we're just deteriorating our body. We're feeling sluggish. We can't go do stuff. And so, like when we have these higher percentages and folks are unable to just basically ask for things like gender affirming care, you know, we have, you still have to go get, you know, a mental health letter. To say like, are you right in the head? Are you you know, is this right for you? And uh, so it's just like stressors like that where folks can come in. We have, like I said, higher numbers percentage wise as uh, folks with mental health issues, but then have a, a, a tremendous gap in accessing that service.
1: Wow, so there's definitely healthcare inequalities. I mean, you'd think we'd learn a lot from a pandemic, but I suppose that wasn't the case. There's still a lot more, a lot of healthcare inequalities out there, aren't they?
0: Absolutely, like from the top all the way down to the bottom.
1: Mm, and it's you know, it's so interesting how you talk about uh, microaggressions and small things. Uh, now that I work as a full-time um, creative and having left my professional work life behind, uh, you know, my corporate background. I am am you know because the mind's weird it, it when you allow it space it starts to unpack things that have happened to you in the past and I think of just so much that I had to keep up with and pretend was perfect and fine and it just wasn't you know oh, absolutely. it's it's so difficult assimilating into the western world as a person of color it it, it is because there's a cultural difference there's a, there's a shift but then the expectations can be so nuanced and specific and when you compound it with being a queer person it can just it can just exacerbate so much and it's so difficult to explain to people as to why you are you know quote unquote underperforming it's because you can't be judged by the same metrics because you know the race is rigged from the start <laughs> oh
0: yeah well so i i wrote an op-ed in 2020 mm-hmm. about uh i don't believe in imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and the reason the reason and I'll just sum this and it's going to be on our uh, blog pretty soon and I can send you a copy if you like oh yes please. but I I don't believe in imposter syndrome my the op eds called uh it's you not me mm. and it's about my experience going through the education system you know they kept mm. telling me that I'm in a like I felt like I was an imposter and and really that's no one has decided to fix the systemic uh racism, Uh, every ism you know ableism in our school systems which is rigged what you're talking about right Mm. I had to overperform I have to to be mediocre I have to like bend over backwards right my content is good I'm brilliant Mm. but it's still mediocre in the in the white society right Mm. the privileged society says white men Uh, They just continue to take our ideas and then mine us as a community and then tell us that we have the problem. We're imposters. And Mm. the true imposter is cis, white, (laughs) heterosexual men that even at their mediocre is like stellar. So if people at that level are unable to, uh, the true imposters are those who cannot succeed with all of the things stacked for them, Mm. uh, then those are the real imposters.
1: Yeah, not and, me not yeah, you no 100% i couldn't agree more and you know i think that in itself creates problems even for um cisgendered heteronormative white men because you know they in themselves have develop an imposter syndrome or you know i i've seen so many I
0: have, oh no it's I, it's they they don't even get the imposter syndrome it's really they don't even understand that for them it's like why isn't the stack like yeah they're like it should be working right they know it 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 works
1: um
0: they know it they know it just like karen's know how to weaponize uh being you know in desperate need of help
1: yeah I, i i do think it can it can lead to a bit of a hollow existence i think part of the human experience definitely is about you know serving your purpose overcoming adversity and what have you but if you have a a system that's rigged to your favor great you're gonna get the nicer car you're gonna get the nicer house you're gonna get all x y and z but you know where is your does it help you get your spiritual fulfillment i don't think it does but you know that that in itself inequalities like that would would create a whole host of problems not just for people of color but for the oppressors themselves which actually brings me to my next point right um, and that's to do with ancestors i'm a spiritual person my husband's a spiritual person, and. um We both believe in um, ancestry. We believe that we carry the lineage of our ancestors forward. And I believe, uh, well, we both believe that um, that can affect us in in a unique way. You know, recently I heard Oprah, she talks about moving forward with 10,000 people. It's not just her, it's all the people who came before her that led her to this place. And she comes with the power of that. I know it feels it feels silly to ask uh, an indigenous two-spirited person this question but I'm sure I know <laughs> I, I I know the answer to it but do you believe in that as well in terms of ancestry moving the uh, the narrative of the ancestors forward and do you think the trials and tribulations they went through do you think that that can permeate into the current generation this gets real deep and was gonna we're gonna
0: take a trip with me and i love how you say (laughs) zed by the way
1: you you love what i how i say what zed zed oh i should say z
0: z no it's okay i'm from the states so i don't
1: (laughs) oh girl i can do valley don't you worry about that (laughs) (laughs) no we we, we're all about taking trips on this podcast so we have all the time go on
0: tell us so the um the ancestors Hmm. um yes so to be simple yes i do believe it and and i do know that there are plenty of uh, indigenous folks who are atheists who don't have that uh pool so but for myself i definitely feel um my ancestors Hmm. through me in a way that feels completely different um and the idea yes so if the trials and tribulations of them were to be flowing through me, yes, of course, their learning mm. experiences are now in my blood, right? It mm. is a way for me to manifest this. And we also have science that backs up that. We call it historical trauma. We call it uh, <laughs> um, intergenerational trauma. It mm. is simply the learned experiences, the magic, the essences that we get to pass down, not only through behavior, but through tradition, through culture, Um It is understanding like what smelling the spices are in a room uh, to like let it hit right, or the way that we might greet each other like no other people might. It is a way that we you know have acts of love versus like we have to affirm this other way of love for each other. Like there are so many things bound to what we do and what our ancestors have done that we carry it with us all the time.
1: I mean, it can alter our DNA, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. There is scientific proof that folks with psychedelic uh, usage as medicine in uh, indigenous cultures here in the States, at least Turtle Island, um, has altered their DNA to the point where now I just truly believe that that should be something that be should be given, especially for indigenous people mm-hmm. as a practice, because it's a need, like they need those things.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah, as far as like what we do, how our ancestors not only just permeate, but it it helps us create and manifest new things for us, mm. right? New healings. Like when people think about what indigenous folks are, they'll either think like, like something like completely off, right? Like, oh, casinos or like... Uh, <laughs> um savages right like that's the only two things that they can possibly think about when they talk about indigenous folks Hmm. and there's a whole spectrum like there's folks who are like skateboarding and playing video games and like doing drag you know like it's not like we aren't here today and so when our ancestors talk walk speak inspire it is, that's, again, the theoretical framework when I talk about re-indigenizing, it's an opportunity for us to reach into the past, not physically, not, I don't know 100%, but I feel that and I get to manifest it and create it in a different way and just bring my pe- my people with me
1: everywhere. Bring the story forward. That's incredible. That's incredible. I, I, I definitely do believe in. In in that and when I when I do my drag performances, I talk, I say it as a joke. I'm like, oh, I'm bringing the ancestral rage forward.
0: <laughs> Seriously, but you okay? So like, when I first met you at DragCon, you were mm. absolutely stunning. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you, stunning. And I know that those garbs, right, like those pieces of choices in your drag, look not only culturally bound, right but like it was stunning and it seemed not only respectful because you knew how to wear it and it wasn't like you were, you know what I mean? Like I found this little thing and let me just put it on. Yeah. But it looked like, you not only respectfully but still accentuated that and it was you were absolutely stunning every time i looked at you
1: (laughs) oh you're too kind no thank you and and you're absolutely right i mean it it was definitely a a well thought out process um at that point that type of drag that i was doing it was very courtesan inspired and obviously courtesans were considered high regard uh, up until the british Empire um decided to invade india and they forced a lot of courtesans into prostitution whereas originally they were the flag bearers of uh, culture essentially mm. and so when i do you know my drag is a love letter to south asian women and i often think about all those south asian women who are traditionally bound or you know when i think about my mom as a migrant coming into this country and what she must have in, endured and i you know i believe that when you heal you help heal a lineage and through my drag i've tried to help tell that story and yeah it's 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 um, this that's is beautiful. getting deep <laughs> yeah getting deep.
0: <laughs> but that's but that's it right mm. like that is not only the invitation but it's a uh, a responsibility when you're talking mm-hmm. about now like man you almost brought me to tears because like to hear like the flag bearer right to be a flag you are now retaking that that tale sure. and that's what that matter you know what I mean like how you yeah. just describe that and how you present now is a new reinterpretation of that yeah and and you're building upon that just like I'm building upon what that looks like in mental health care and yes. how we can heal from our own community rather than like be told how we need to heal
1: isn't that incredible uh, isn't that incredible no that's brilliant no thank you so much for that no and you know i i i absolutely love um what you're doing and and more power to you i've got a couple more questions let's do it if somebody is suffering from poor mental health what are some of the coping mechanisms that you would recommend? I mean, they don't have to necessarily be clinical per se, but you know, in order to sort of help a person know that you see them, you hear them, what sort of coping Mm. mechanisms would you recommend?
0: So a lot of breathing techniques. So this is going to like, without being, because like people may want to hear things like, if you have depression or if you have anxiety, because they're all different, right? There's coping strategies and mechanisms. Let me put it this way coping skills and strategies are 100 percent like a few it's not good or bad Mm -hmm. like drinking could be good and also it could be bad Mm -hmm. it's just about the consequences that come out so a coping strategy can be anything that makes you feel good it could be sex it could be uh um hanging out with friends but that one hanging out with friends connection that's what i was telling you earlier like seeking out people that are in your community. I don't know about you, but something that always brings me joy is like stepping into a room and being fuck, I love being queer mm. so much. No, oh, yeah. And and it's that that connection with other people is super helpful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um but you know like eating right or exercise, you know, sex exercise is great too. <laughs> um going to Disneyland, going to like like I said like it, it could be all the way from journaling. But you mm-hmm. have to find your own niche like if somebody tells you to do something that you absolutely hate doing yeah well don't do that yeah yeah <laughs> do yeah, something yeah that brings you joy you know yeah. and and anything everyone is so generically well fundamentally different in like what brings them joy so i would just say like the biggest coping strategy is hanging out with people and finding joy that
1: sounds incredible well thank you so so much dr eric james Eskereño. Thank you so, so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. This has been really, really uh, enlightening. It's been really illuminating. And I really hope our listeners uh, enjoyed our conversation and they uh, took something away from it. How can people get in touch with Wombat and uh, support Wombat? How can how can we do that?
0: Um, well, you can find all of our information about Wombat Mental Health Services on our website. It's www.wombatmhs.com. Um, And if you want to support us, you're more than welcome to donate to us. We are fiscally sponsored from SPM Disability Justice. So um, all donations that are above $100 get uh, a tax write-off, but it also funds another important program about disability justice. And it assists us to make sure that we can have equitable uh, services for folks when they need to access them. So on there, you can click donate and uh, it'll take you to another page if you want to just drop some buckets in there. Um, If not, share our social media, which is, I believe all of our social media is at WombatMHS uh, as the handle. And we actually give out uh, coping strategies and tips uh, on there as well. So there's a ton of resources and there's also like basically like how to form more coping strategies if mine weren't sufficient.
1: Fantastic! Thank you so so much. We really really appreciate that. And yes, folks, please do support Warm Up Mental Health Services and the fantastic work that do that they do. Thank you so so much. Pleasure, thank you. And we're back. How did you find that, babe?
2: Do you know what that was? Really really good. And do you know what was really cool about it? like not being part of it and being able to, to listen to you have a conversation with someone. Yeah. And be like, yeah, this is my podcast. <laughs> like no, no, it was really informative. It was really great. You two seem to have, have a, a, a great synergy. Yes, we did. In your flow of conversation. We had a great rapport. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely.
1: It was, it was really, really nice um, being able to talk about the things that we did and, you know, um, also talk about sort of um, what are certain healthy Um, coping mechanisms, what people should do when they are feeling about of poor mental health. Mm. That was really, really important. And just knowing that, you know, I mean, Wombat Health Services is is California based, um, but they are great mental health services elsewhere as well. You know, do approach them uh, when you need to. But if you are in uh, L.A., if you're in the California area, definitely. Or even if you're not, I suppose, do get in touch with uh, Wombat Mental Health Services Um, and if you'd like to find them on Instagram or anything, yes, yeah, 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 they are on Instagram. You've caught me off guard now, I need to find their Instagram. But, um, uh, definitely, uh, if you can support them, do support them as well. Fabulous, what's their
2: Instagram? Their Instagram,
1: (laughs) gosh, you're proper going to um, teach them, oh, do you? Okay, Uh, their Instagram is wombatmhs.
2: Fabulous. That's Wombat MHS.
1: Yes, MHS as in Mental Health Services. Oh, I thought so. So thank you so, so much, Dr. Esca
2: We really, really enjoyed that. Thank you for your
1: time. I think that's all the time we've got for today, my dear.
2: That is, my love, that is. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. And I hope this is an episode you can, like, kind of dip back into when you need it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: We love you, but you, you don't, don't love me
2: goodbye thank you for listening to the you don't love me podcast with amir and amir for all the latest happenings you can follow us on instagram at you don't love me boys that is at you don't love me boys